Hello, and welcome to the West Connect podcast, where we create compelling content for current and former Wesleyan student athletes to help them be successful on the field and off the field. Today, I've got Madeline Lundberg with me. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. Um, and we are going to talk a little bit about her journey, that transition from being a student athlete into the professional world, and hopefully some, some lessons learned. And we talked a little bit of this on the pre-call, but I think just useful is what to do is what not to do, because oftentimes, especially students, they have limited availability, limited hours. We want to make sure that they're being efficient with their time. So if you could maybe introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and what your journey looked like as a uh, student athlete. Awesome. Thanks. So, um, yeah, so my name is Madeline uh, and I graduated from Wesleyan in 2019. So I've been uh, in the working world for a little bit over a year now. Um, but when I was at Wesleyan, I was a member of the women's volleyball team. Um, and I was also a psychology major and a data analysis minor. So when I was at Wesleyan, uh, volleyball was a big part of my uh, experience there. But in terms of jobs or plan after college, I didn't really have one. Um, I came into Wesleyan thinking I was going to be pre-med and then deciding pretty early on in my experience there that that was not what I wanted to do. And then afterwards feeling a little bit lost and not really knowing what other options career-wise were available for me. So I was always interested in health in some capacity, but um, what that meant took on, uh, sort of evolved as I uh, went through the years at Wesleyan. Uh, when I started, I thought I wanted to be pre-med. And then I actually transitioned a little bit and thought that I wanted to go more into documentary filmmaking, uh, storytelling around health. So I uh, pursued a film minor and uh, in addition to my psychology major and interned for a documentary production company that actually produced uh, Super Size Me, thinking I wanted to sort of tell stories like that. Uh, and then after that experience, completely flipped um, and realized that that was not what I um, really wanted to pursue and picked up my data analysis minor, um, all knowing that I was interested in health and the healthcare space, but what that actually meant in terms of uh, things that are, are applicable for a career, I really had no idea. So uh, I was sort of dealing with the job search while also being a student athlete, which I found to be a little bit challenging and definitely burdensome, but I ultimately ended up um, pursuing an internship in um, a health for a healthcare growth services company. And that sort of propelled my uh, interest to go into um, healthcare consulting, which is what I do now. Uh, and in addition to volleyball at Wesleyan, I did a few other things as well. I had a great Wesleyan experience. I was also part of a dance group, um, as well as the student athlete advisory committee, uh, which was a really great opportunity and a really good way to uh, get to know um, a bunch of the other student athletes as well. So uh, that's a little bit of background on me. I'm sure we're going to get into more of those specifics as well. Yeah. So one thing I do want to unpack a little bit, I was trying to keep track, but it sounded like you had three to four to five transitions on your academic focus while you were in school. And it's, it's something that we hear a lot, you know, the open curriculum is, is terrific in a lot of ways, but almost um, too many choices right? And, and it's kind of overwhelming. Um, so maybe talk a little bit more about how you ended up going through that journey of, you know, when you're a freshman, you think one thing, and then by the time you're a senior, you've gone 180 degrees the other way. Um, wh what was that like for you? Yeah, I think something that 
uh, I really realized was uh, I feel like my freshman year, I was taking classes that I felt like I should be taking. So I was taking biology and I took French because I took it in high school. Um, but those classes were pretty burdensome. And I realized pretty quickly when you don't have your parents nagging you and your, your own motivation for getting good grades that it was a lot harder to be getting good grades in those classes. So uh, I, that's when I started taking film classes thinking that that was what I was gonna be interested in. But I realized I actually picked up my data analysis minor my junior spring. So that's when I added that to my uh, sort of course load. Um, but the reason why I was able to do that actually is because I realized I had already taken so many of the requirements for the data analysis minor without even knowing it, just by sort of pure interest. And I sort of realized uh, my junior year that I had been taking a lot of classes uh, just as, you know, that extra add-on, you know, you have three that you need for your major and one random one that were all part of the data analysis minor. Um, and the film classes that I was trying to fit into my schedule, I was really not excited about. I really felt like they were a huge lift and a huge burden, but I felt like I had to take them because I had technically said I wanted to be a film minor, but I actually didn't enjoy those classes at all. I found them to be the most burdensome on my schedule. Uh, I sort of dreaded going to them every day, but these other classes were the ones that I had chosen when you know I thought it was sort of open field, I can pick anything. These are the ones that I was naturally uh, moving towards was these data analysis type classes. Um, and so I think that was for me, one of the biggest things was sitting down and with my course load and with my schedule and really decide and sort of realizing what are the classes that I am actually interested in taking if I didn't feel like I had this commitment to a major commitment to a minor. Uh, so my psychology major, I was always interested in, I was always excited about those classes. But I was definitely, I definitely spent my first two years taking classes that I felt like I needed to take rather than classes I was naturally gravitating towards. So um, that's what made it easy actually for me to pick up a new minor in the middle of my junior year. Um, but I think that would be, you know, a, definitely one of my biggest pieces of advice to current students is if there are certain types of classes that you're interested in or excited about, don't shy away from that and don't feel also like if there's certain classes that you dread like you need to be taking them and maybe if those classes are all in your major or all in your minor maybe that's a good time that that's not exactly the right major or minor for you and not to go kind of armchair psychologist but where do you think that because I, I do feel like and I hear this a lot and I'm old so I don't remember exactly my own story but you feel pressure right you feel pressure to do certain things. You feel expectations to go in a certain direction. Where did that pressure come from for you? And, and how did you ultimately kind of deal with it and go in a direction that, that you just felt more comfortable with? Yeah, well, so I think for me uh, growing up, um, I was sort of under this impression uh, that the only real careers for me were uh, sort of what I saw in my parents and in my aunts and uncles. Um, and a lot of that was academia and it was academia or it was medicine. And it was very, uh, as you know, a typical immigrant family, you know, it was very higher education driven, very, very education focused. And so uh, once I realized I didn't want to go to medical school, the only other option, the only other thing that I'd really even felt like I had heard of was film. Um, a, because Wesleyan has such a strong and you know really competitive film program, but also because that's what my aunt does. So 
uh, I think it was sort of, you go with what you know. And I never, I didn't know anyone who really was doing data analysis classes, was doing coding classes. Uh, so that wasn't something that I really thought of as a, a route for me. Uh, and in addition, you know, you think of Wesleyan as a liberal arts school. So, you know, the sort of data analysis, coding, all of those things is not really something that I even really had in my, you know, had in my view of potential routes that I could go. Um, so I think for me, a lot of the pressure honestly came from just my family and uh, pressures that I put on myself from growing up uh, with, you know, <laughs> in a Korean household. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it definitely took me a little bit of time to to really fully explore all of the different types of classes that Wesleyan has to offer. And once I was able to shake the boundaries of this is my major, this is my minor, um, I was able to really explore other classes that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and that's something that, that we hear a lot too. It's a recurring theme. You're a high achiever, obviously in high school, you're a competitive athlete. You've chosen to continue that athletic journey in college you know, in a academically rigorous place like Wesleyan. And it can be hard to kind of think outside of that world that you've created for yourself. And you put a lot of pressure um, on yourself. And so I'm glad that you were able to kind of break out of the mold, go in a direction you felt comfortable with. What did, what did your volleyball experience have to do in terms of having that resource at hand as you were going through all those academic changes and that journey? Yeah, I think that volleyball was definitely a huge resource. And I think it was for a few different reasons. I think the first is sort of uh, just an obvious leveraging an alumni network. Uh, like a lot of the women's sports at Wesleyan, uh, I think volleyball maybe does not have robust of an, as robust of an alumni network as some of the men's sports, just by nature of them being younger programs uh, with fewer in volume alumni, typically smaller teams, things like that. Uh, but I definitely put a lot of work into leveraging the alumni network. And I actually was able to reach out to a lot of volleyball alums who I just chatted with and got to hear more about what they do. And uh, rather than, you know, pursuing those conversations for the purposes of getting an internship or things like that, I just asked them what they did after college and asked them how they progressed in their career, how they got to where they are. And those conversations were actually really helpful for me in terms of understanding what types of work sounded interesting, what types of work did not sound interesting uh, and things like that. And I think the second way that volleyball was really helpful was your experience as a student athlete, I think really forms, at least for me in a lot of ways, forms my sense of, or my teamwork skills and my leadership skills. And the things that I think I love about volleyball and I loved about being an athlete, I also really love now in my career. Um, I love working in teams. I love, you know, problem solving with a team, working with a small group of people. I love uh, the sense of organization and the sense of community that comes with, you know, the repetition and practice and then you present to a client um, in the same way that, you know, you practice and you then go to a game. Uh, I think I really realized that all of those, all that structure and the entire way that team sports is set up is, exactly what I love in my career. And so not only was I able to develop those skills so that I can now use them in my career, it also helped me realize what I wanted to do. Um, I realized that I didn't want to be, you know, sitting alone at my desk all day. I didn't want to be in a stuffy lab. I didn't want to, you know, just be on the phone making calls all day. Um, 
and you know, calls with strangers, people I didn't know. I really liked that sense of community. I liked the sense of teamwork. And that was something that I ultimately really wanted to find in a future career. And it really helped me shape and sort of narrow down uh, different types of career paths that I wanted to pursue. So I want to break down because you said a lot of really good stuff there, but it was all kind of packed in. So yeah. rewinding the tape a little bit, I heard leveraging the alumni network within the volleyball kind of community. Could you maybe get detail oriented there on exactly how you did it, what resources you used, um, how you reached out to them um, to give people kind of maybe current students some very kind of concrete detailed steps that they could take as they explore their own respective sport community. Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, Wesleyan has a lot of really great resources. You know, I think Handshake is a great resource, uh, but just on a sort of basic level, LinkedIn is great. Uh, LinkedIn is one of my favorite social media platforms because uh, most people keep theirs up to date and, uh, you know, it's a really great, there are a lot of good tools for both finding jobs and reaching out to people. So LinkedIn, I would say, is one of the biggest ways that I reach out to people. Um, and I think for me, what I found really helpful was reaching out with a specific ask or a specific uh, you know, request and doing a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit of background research on what someone does so that you're not going into a conversation with someone cold. So, you know, reaching out to someone that does something that might potentially be interesting or might be tangentially related to something you find interesting, asking them to set up a phone call and making sure in that initial message that you send to them, you know, a little blurb about why this connection makes sense. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of Older alumni, you know, more established alumni get a ton of messages on websites like LinkedIn. So finding a way to differentiate and saying, hey, I am a fellow Wesleyan volleyball alum, or, you know, I'm a current Wesleyan volleyball student. I noticed that you're an alumni. I would love to learn more about XYZ. And finding a way to differentiate yourself and get your foot in the door a little bit more than your sort of average, uh, average Wesleyan student or even average student period, I think um, I found to be really helpful. And I uh, was able to connect with a lot more people uh, in a little bit more targeted when I used a little bit more targeted of an approach. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important to emphasize Wesleyan and that this community that you're part of, it will open up a lot of doors for you, right? If, if you send me, even if we weren't doing this interview kind of setup, if you shot me a note on LinkedIn, yeah, if I saw you went to Wes, I'll accept. And if you said, Hey, Brian, like you're a zookeeper. I'm interested in being a zookeeper. Let's talk. I'd say, sure. Like, let's do it. So it will open up doors. It will give you opportunities, but unless you're prepared and organized, and I love your, your statement of having a specific ask, because <clears throat> if you don't have a specific ask, you're going to get that 15 or 20 minutes on that person's calendar. And it's just going to be a waste for both of you, right? You're, you're just going to talk about nothing and the weather and sports but you're not going to get anything out of it. And that person is going to say, well, she seems great, but I'm not going to do another call like that. So I think a little bit of homework, being organized, and what you're describing is this informational interview concept, which I didn't really know before I started doing these conversations of, you're, you're approaching it like an investigative journalist. You're saying, what do you do? What do you not do? What is part of your job? What do you like about your job? What do you not like about your job? How did you get your gig? And I think that's a really powerful thing um, because it will help teach you, right? And within 15 or 20 minutes, 
you'll have a pretty good understanding of kind of what that person does or doesn't do. And I think just as powerful of knowing where you want to go is what you don't want to do. And I heard you say a bunch of things that after some self-reflection and talking to some of these people within the alumni group, I certainly don't want to do these things. And that saves you a lot of time, right? Um, so the second thing I kind of want to dig into a little bit more is this concept of leadership, teamwork, and how you've seen that apply in your professional life. And maybe talk a little bit about how you use those themes or those skills that you developed when you were applying for positions or when you were doing interviews. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe just for a little bit of context, I can explain what I do. So right now I work for Trinity, which is a life sciences strategic consulting firm. So basically what that means is we uh, help clients who typically are pharmaceutical companies or biotech companies with different business problems that they have. Um, usually these are around business strategy, commercial strategy, uh, you know, what they want to do with a drug, what they want to do with their group of drugs, if they want to acquire a drug, uh, things like that, strategies for marketing. Uh, so that's sort of what I do. And uh, like in most consulting um, fields, I work in teams of about anywhere from three to six. And we work on these projects together. So I think when I was applying for a job, and now that I am on the other side and I'm watching other people apply, I know that one of the big things that we really do look for in our applicants, and this is something I tried to highlight as well when I was interviewing, is that sort of ability to work in teams and ability to take leadership even at a more junior level. So um, I think when I was applying, you know, when you are, when you're interviewing, they'll ask, obviously ask a lot of behavioral questions and things like that. And I think one thing that I really wanted to highlight was my experience as a student athlete, because it's such a good example of all of those things. Uh, you know, even if you're not a captain, even if you're not, you know, a, a senior on the team, um, there are a lot of really good ways that in which you can show how you can be a really good team player um, or a really good leader. And I think something that I've now seen in my job is a lot of my experiences actually with being a team member and being a student athlete when I wasn't a captain and when I wasn't a senior, when I was, you know, a sophomore, a freshman, a junior, those are actually the experiences that I feel like I have been able to carry over the most is how you lead when you are a little bit more junior on your team and how you contribute value when you are not you know, in a very obvious leadership position, because that's where you'll be the first however many years of your career. So um, that was definitely something I made sure to highlight in my interview process. And now that I'm on my job, I now am using those skills of co contributing as a team member and as a leader, but in a more junior role um, now in my job. No, that's really powerful. And I completely agree. Um, I tend to not consciously, but almost unconsciously, almost exclusively hire people that played sports in college. Um, because I do think it imbibes a lot of skills that are very difficult to get elsewhere. Um, so, you know, I completely agree. Can you maybe talk through exactly what the application process looked like, how you found this job, what the, what that kind of, uh, journey looked like for you, where you started, where you ended up, if there were some obstacles in between? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was applying for jobs, I started in 
September of my senior year applying for jobs. And part of that, that's definitely on the early side, but part of that was because I knew that I wanted to pursue consulting and consulting typically has a little bit earlier of a recruiting cycle than other industries. So um, I have a lot of friends who found jobs in the spring of their junior year in the summer after, or spring of their senior year, uh, summer after they graduated. It's, so this timeline is not necessarily reflective of when you need to start to be successful, but this is when I started. Um, so I applied to jobs all across the board. I applied to jobs that I was interested in, jobs that I wasn't interested in, industries that sounded interesting, industries that sounded boring. Um, and I think one, and I used Handshake, which is sort of the typical Wesleyan platform uh, nowadays. But I think for me, one of the reasons why I cast such a wide net was because like practice, you know, interviews and talking about yourself is really hard. And being able to come up with answers to interview questions on the spot is really challenging. And any interview opportunity that you can get to network and to practice talking about yourself is a positive experience. So I ended up doing a lot of interviews for jobs, maybe that I wasn't as interested in, or I didn't think were as suited for me, but I thought were really good opportunities that I wanted to see through and experiences that I wanted to have interviewing. Um, and for me specifically, uh, Trinity is a consulting firm. So the case interview is a big part of uh, the interview process for Trinity. So I also did a lot of case prep and case work. And I think, you know, if you're interested in consulting, case interviews are definitely going to be a big part of the interview experience. But I think just more broadly, understanding what the company is looking for and getting a good, a good sense of what the interview process will likely look like is really important. So there were some companies that I interviewed with where I sort of knew the types of skills that maybe I should highlight over others. You know, if I was applying for a BD or a sales role, the skills that they would be looking for are going to be inherently different from, you know, maybe a place like consulting where one is a little bit more individual driven, you know, you have to be sort of your own boss, you want to have to go get the sales versus consulting, which is much more team oriented. Um, so I definitely applied to a wide array of different types of jobs. Um, also because, you know, I'm a qualified candidate, but there are tons of qualified candidates out there. And I definitely didn't want to close off any potential doors. So I cast a wide net and then also got practice talking about and highlighting different parts of my resume, depending on what those jobs were looking for. So a couple takeaways there that I just was writing down while you were talking. It sounds like persistence was a big part of the process for you. Being consistent was a big part of the process for you. Getting comfortable with getting outside of your, of your, this is a, this is not good comfort zone, <laughs> like doing things that scare you maybe that, but you'll learn from them, right? It'll help you ultimately grow was a big part of that process and getting comfortable with rejection. I know for a lot of people, you know, especially high achievers academically and athletically, all of a sudden going into a world where getting told no is really kind of part of the process is really hard on the ego, right? Um, and so I kind of keep, when I talk to people, I push them and say, you've got to get comfortable with getting no's. And if you're not getting enough no's, you're probably not making enough asks, frankly. And there's a lot of things out there. So don't internalize it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person <clears throat> or that you're not going to be successful and professionally. It's just the way it is. Would that all kind of 
uh, jive with your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you brought up a really great point about being comfortable with rejection. Uh, you know, it's hard and the job search is definitely intimidating and scary, but rejection is a part of the process. And it doesn't mean that you are not qualified or doesn't mean that you're not talented. It just means that, you know, it was not a right fit and that's okay. And there's going to be a lot of jobs that are not the right fit and a lot of jobs that are. So um, I think that's a really important takeaway from that as well. So while we have you, um, and I just want to be clear, Trinity has no association with the school, right? No, no, it does not. That's something I definitely have to explain to a lot of Wesleyan, <laughs> a lot of Wesleyan alums and students. My roommates actually wanted to throw away all of my Trinity mugs because they thought it was Trinity College, and I had to explain to them it was my company and not not Trinity College. Okay. Now that we got that set, because that is yeah. that's a big deal. So we got that out of the way. Maybe for people listening who are interested in what you do, um, could you talk a little bit about kind of what your day-to-day actually looks like, where you spend a lot of your time, you know, what skills you're using every day? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, you know, like you had mentioned, I work for Trinity, which is this life sciences consulting firm. Um, And this is sort of a cliche answer, but every day definitely looks different. I'm on multiple projects at a time and the projects could be a long a huge different array of business problems, all the way from really early pipeline development. So, you know, a company is really trying to figure out what they even want to start pursuing and you help them strategize and figure out a plan for what they would want to pursue early on versus helping a drug that's about to launch and everything in between. So I've worked with tiny companies that are operating out of a WeWork and I've worked with huge multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies on their strategy. So definitely a huge range. Um, My day-to-day and the things that I work on, I'd say skill-wise, a lot of the things that I do every day, I learned on the job. I think there's sometimes this intimidating feeling like, oh, there's certain jobs I can't do or certain things I can't pursue because I don't have technical skills or I didn't go to business school or I don't know how to code. And I definitely don't code. Um, And all of the sort of strategic thinking and PowerPoint, Excel, all of that. I learned all of that on the job. I had no idea how to, you know, work PowerPoint really until I got to got to Trinity. But for example, I can talk a little bit about uh, the projects, a few projects that I've worked on. Um, one of which was helping a company evaluate a business development opportunity. So they were thinking about acquiring a drug in a really rare uh, condition. So we basically did an entire uh, landscape of both the indication, so the disease area that this drug was going to be pursuing, as well as um, evaluating competitors in the market, evaluating the value of this drug, conducting market research to understand what physicians and other key stakeholders thought about this drug, uh, ultimately building a forecast revenue and then presenting it to this client who was thinking about um, acquiring a drug. Another project that I uh, finished working on recently was a licensing licensing and acquisition strategy project. So rather than helping a company decide if they wanted to acquire one specific asset, we helped them look across an entire array of uh, indications, so diseases or drugs, and we helped them decide what, how should we even think about all of these and how should we think about where we want to pursue, you know, what, what sort of factors go into what makes a Uh, qualified candidate, and how do we want it to fit in our overall portfolio of drugs. Um, And right now I'm actually working on a really interesting project 
which is basically a company is about to launch um, a gene therapy in a really rare disease. And we're helping their marketing, marketing team actually figure out what is sort of the patient experience throughout the entire process of receiving this therapy and how can we make it better? So we're looking at companies like uh, Amazon, Google, um, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A. We're looking at all of these different companies and looking at how do they make their customer experience great and how can we then flip and apply those things to the pharmaceutical industry, which uh, hasn't really been done before. So I'm really looking forward to that type of work. So uh, that's sort of a very, very small snippet of the huge breadth of projects that we do. But um, I've really enjoyed it so far. It's been um, some really interesting and captivating, captivating work. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Are there any other kind of pieces of advice or, or pearls of wisdom that you want to leave with any of the folks who might be listening? Um, yeah, I think that one of them is definitely to not sell yourself short. I think something that I felt was a little bit of imposter syndrome because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't have an exact plan from freshman year. I'm going to med school. I'm going into IB. I'm going to law school. Uh, but just because you don't have a set plan doesn't mean that you're not incredibly qualified. Um, and just to, you know, keep trying and keep learning about different industries and different fields. And it's okay if you try something and you don't like it. Um, and, you know, knowledge is power and knowledge also means knowing what you don't like. So I think that would be my, my just piece of advice. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much. One last question, how I always end these. Do you know where the Douglas Cannon is right now? Right now? It's been missing for like, 60 years. Do you know where it is? No comment. <laughs> Fair enough. And so as we wrap up, is it okay if folks reach out to you on LinkedIn or if there's somebody that's interested in consulting or um, if they have a volleyball connection, is it all right if they reach out and, and you know take some of your time to answer some questions they might have? Absolutely, yes. And for those who reach out, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My name is Madeline Lundberg. If I respond to your message and then forget to follow up in some capacity. Please, please ping me again. I have, this has happened to me a few times. So please, please feel free to keep pestering me and to follow up with me. Sometimes I am bad about circling back to LinkedIn messages. So definitely feel free to ping me again. You won't be being rude if you reach out and I don't respond initially. And that's, and that's a good lesson. I'm in sales. Majority of sales take place typically 12 plus meetings or phone calls or connections. So thoughtfully yeah. <laughs> persistent is the name of the game. Well, exactly. Madeline, <laughs> thank you for stopping by. I appreciate your time. And thank you for being a resource for all the student athletes that are going to be listening to this and look forward to staying in touch. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Cool.